Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast. I'm here with my good friend Jacob. My name is Chase. How are you doing today, Jacob? Doing really well. It's a nice sunny day in the beautiful state of Oregon. You know, some would say this is why fall isn't too bad. <laughs> Get a couple of these nice days mixed in. The one to three nice days out of the whole season. Yeah, I'll give you that. We just had three in a row. It was like 80 degrees yesterday, and it's October. It is a bit, it's getting a bit warm, actually, which it's all right, but. I was at a convention for work yesterday. I didn't even tell you this before we started. I was at a convention for work yesterday. We're up at this uh, hotel that has a convention hall underneath it, and it was so hot. Like, they had no fans in there, and it was like 80 degrees just beating on the windows from both sides. It was miserable. That sounds musty and it was like in portland or uh hillsborough so or clackamas portland surrounding portland area but there was just way too many people in this room all walking around and like the alleyways are really tight and like crowded and it got super hot in there and i didn't bring any like i didn't you know i thought it was gonna be inside it's gonna be air conditioned so i'm wearing like semi nice clothes like business casual and i was just sweating the whole time it's like Reminds me of like summer weddings because like every time I'll like wear like a nice long sleeve shirt and Oregon summers can be pretty hot at times and then just by the end of it I'm just completely drenched in sweat and you can see that through the shirt and it's just gross. Did you get any free merch? I got way too much actually. I got a ton of stuff. I, like nearly every booth was giving out just free stuff. It got to the point too um, where like you didn't want to make eye contact with some people as you're walking by because <laughs> because you've gone to too many and you've talked to too many people and it's like four hours in and you're just like, I can't stop at another booth. And it was all, like everybody's giving out samples and everything. It was just way too much. Sounds but like a good time overall. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Um, so during all that though, we had an action-packed week of MLS. It was blockbuster from start to finish. Season. There was goals, red cards, seasons ended, coaching careers, stadium boards falling on people, <laughs> production crews going on strike. Yeah, this is that's just like sums up MLS. I love that there's at least like one story like that every week, it seems like. And Exactly. I saw somebody online comment. I mean, just real quickly. Yeah. FC Dallas game in Dallas had a weather delay. Actually, they canceled the game, but they were delaying it at first. Part of the sign at the stadium, like the Toyota Stadium sign, just fell on a dude. And, like, if he, he posted a picture afterwards and his arm was, like, really bruised up. And I saw a comment that just said, like, anywhere in the world, like, that would be, like, probably on like the news on like the sporting channel and like all this stuff but that's just like a headline we don't even like really take too much notice into in MLS. Do you know if Dallas like reached out and gave the guy anything or hooked him up with anything? Dude, I hope so. I mean, I was working at a store <laughs> I was that about I about to ask you about that <laughs> that I won't say, um but you know what I'm talking about. It was like a little market um and had like a big electronic kind of LED sign. And a giant letter, like the size of like two people tall, just fell on an old lady, and it <laughs> oh, just no. it like exploded like on impact on her, and she was fine, and she like wasn't seriously hurt, 
Most but, durable old lady I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. Well, I honestly, I didn't really know what would happen. I wasn't there that day, so I have no idea. But, yeah, it's just like the whole thing shattered. And our, like, the CEO of our company, like, offered to give her, like, I forget what it was, like a very big voucher or, like, a lifetime something. But hopefully FC Dallas did the same. A lifetime supply of monster tacos. <laughs> Here you go, have our free crappy stadium food for the rest of your life for free. Oh, man. Yeah, that's such a wild story that I hope FC Dallas hooked this guy up with something. Like, that's just, it'd be terrible, but it wouldn't surprise me at the same time if they just didn't reach out. What do you think would be an adequate, like, gift that would make you not sue your own team or try to cash in? Um, I would say like, I mean, it's too late in the season to do like free tickets for the rest of the season. Maybe for next year, like a year's worth of season tickets. I would say like a season ticket package would be pretty, pretty adequate or maybe like quarter season, like in suites or something like that. Something cool like that. Field level view. Yeah. I think hooking them up with something like that would probably make them feel good. A little meet and greet with the players, something like that. Probably depends if he was like a legitimate like, maybe he's already a season ticket holder or, what if he's a traveling San Jose fan? I was gonna say, if he, if he's like a first time fan, that's pretty pretty rough. Like, I <laughs> feel like game. I feel like you'd be milking that like afterwards, like, but that would be rough. First time fan, you go to watch FC Dallas and San Jose with a late season one one draw. Listen, that's not the games you. Those are the games we turn up for, man. I know, but imagine a first-time fan like not bought into the league, not bought into the sport quite yet, and they show up, and that's what they get: one-one draw, and a giant O falls on top of them. Well, actually, it was it was a game they didn't even play. It wasn't this oh, game. It was actually. the Wednesday game. It was huh? the Colorado game that got postponed. So they were watching the Rapids, who are already eliminated. Even worse, <laughs> they they're sitting at the stadium. Man, as a fan, remember that 4th of July game versus Colorado? They've had a lot of postponed <laughs> games this year. And now that I bring that up, but Timbers and Colorado Rapids played on the 4th of July, and we waited like hours just for like a half to be played and then just hours. A nil-nil half nonetheless. And then we didn't know if the game was going to end or anything. We're just kind of sitting there in limbo, looking at our phones, watching the TV to see if it happens. Picture being a fan there. It's like... <laughs> Oh, especially a weeknight game. You're you got work the next morning, like you're commuting in for this and I would hate that. There's like a hurricane or something just <laughs> brewing. But you just you don't want to give up. You're there for your team. You've already spent money on the tickets. I especially feel for like an away fan who's yeah, traveling that for that. Travel um, there and then lose out on the opportunity to even watch the game. That's rough. Anyway, a lot of Wednesday games, you know the drill. We won't really cover those. However, we'll start on Saturday. Atlanta United hosts Columbus Crew. Prediction game for us. We were both wrong. This was a 1-1 draw. I said Atlanta would win. You said Columbus would win. Columbus, very close, though. They win. were within the last kick of the game close. Miles Robinson steals a point away from Columbus in the 97th minute. Oh, man. This Columbus team, dude, 
they're so fun to watch, but they cannot close out games to save their life. Might be the fact that they're just playing like all like outside backs across like a back three. <laughs> they don't they don't seem to have a legitimate center back. But same as uh, last season, and same as you know with Caleb Porter, that was the the trend they couldn't really buck. And they get this new coach, and he's doing great, Wolfram Nance. But yeah, same old, same old. I think this. I think it may turn for them this next year now that they got Rudy Camacho in. Um, from Montreal, that really moves the needle for you. Hey, man, he was he was lights out for them last year. A little underrated because Kamal Miller took the spotlight for him, but trusted guy for Wilfred Nance all of last season, and there's a reason why he went out to get him. I don't think he would have gone and gotten him if he didn't trust his quality. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's he's a solid solid piece in the league. Um, I mean, it's not a blockbuster signing. I mean, it's no. Uh, it's no Larice Mabiala or, you know, no Jackson Reagan. Man, going for Cascadia right there. Interesting. Um, anyway, yeah, point of peace, you know, kind of just steadying on and that looking for those upper playoff spots, both teams. DC United fighting for their lives in the playoffs. As we keep saying, they win 2 0 at home over New York City FC. However, they're eliminated. Um, it wasn't <laughs> enough. Montreal won, as we'll talk about in a bit. But so that pushes them out of the equation. They actually that was their last game of the season too, so they can't pick up any more points. And the teams below them are guaranteed to pick up some points. So DC wins, but at what cost? I mean, it just sucks. It sucks to be a DC fan right now. You end your season on a win, um, but. <laughs> Then you, you know, you're all hyped. Imagine being all hyped after that win. Like, oh, yeah, we are like got some momentum. And then you look at the table, you're like, oh, yeah, never mind. We're not actually going to make playoffs. But uh, Wayne Rooney steps down as the uh, head coach, separates from the club, which I think everybody expected. He didn't necessarily seem like he was super bought into the long-term program in D.C., hence why he bought, like, seven guys over the age of 40. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, DC though, I don't know what their future is. Like, what 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 does this team have to do to build next year? A lot of people are looking and suggesting online it's time for like a GM change, like an ownership change. I don't know their like identity. Honestly, it felt like Rooney was their identity, which wasn't a solid one to begin with. But they got all right pieces. I don't think they're like great, but it's like this kind of sums up. Rooney and DC the last couple of years is they're all right. Like they get a decent result, but it's just not enough. Like when the time comes, like, I don't know. I don't know who they target. I really don't know where to go with this club. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of stuck because they have a bunch of old guys that are on, you know, big contracts for at least another year. So they don't really have, much they can do this next year they have some good youth pieces in there um so i mean there's stuff they can build on but i don't know i i think yeah like a a change in the fo um a new coach obviously i think is probably the big move for them that they need to do for me it's a little confusing because they they can hern and lasada um is it last year or the year before i think it was last year last year and they brought in wayne rooney part of the way through the year and Lazada, I don't think was world changing, but he clearly had a an ideology and a system, and 
he seemed a little intense for most people's likings and their off the field like conduct like he was getting mad at players allegedly for like having a soda or like chips like on their off time but he had an identity he like had a system and he was bringing in pieces that it felt like aligned with a certain vision maybe the vision wasn't great and that's why they got rid of him but I mean, do you, what was the plan of having Rooney come in for a season and just do this? I bet they're really kicking themselves with all this Lucho Costa greatness. The extra time lads were talking about how Acosta's like super happy with the community in Cincy and he's bought in with the club and they got him a nice big contract saying like, we believe in you still, you're getting older, but we know you can be that guy. And one of the reasons he left DC was DC didn't want to extend his contract because they thought he was kind of re- you know, he wasn't going to maintain his play. They wanted to go younger or go in a different direction, and they let him walk. And now, can, could you imagine, like, I mean, they wouldn't be a great team, I don't think, with just Acosta, but picture if they had a centerpiece like that. Well, imagine Lucho Acosta feeding balls through to Benteke up top. Um, I mean, same thing if they would have kept Gressel, like, back when they had him, and then they bring in a target forward right after they, you know, get rid of the best crosser in the league. Like, there's just no vision within this club. It's just ridiculous. But my question to you is, if you were Gio Savarese, do you take a look at this job? Do you throw your name in the hat? I mean, if he's looking for work in the league, I mean, there's worse spots you can end up. Like, where? (laughs) I don't want to say we picked up too much. Where is it? I'm not going to say. But, I mean... I wouldn't call DC like a super cheap club necessarily. They've renovated their stadium and they've bought in certain players that aren't like super cheap. But maybe this is a place where he can go in and and have an ideology. You can, I mean, everybody in the league knew what the Timbers were about the last five years when Gio was at the helm. And, you know, love him or hate him, he gets players to like buy in. Like we always talk about, he can get results from like a ragtag group of players and he was actually linked with a different job um i'll mention it when we get to the club fair enough fair enough i'm taking a look at uh this dc united team and just trying to see what geo would have to work with it's not looking too great (laughs) it would be a tough ask but i mean geo style doesn't necessarily you know, cry out for a really technical, great team. It, you know, cries out for a strong defensive team. And when you got Steven Birnbaum in the back line, not much else he can ask for. Yeah, I mean, and would DC fans really be too upset if somebody like Geo came in and kind of cleaned up shop? Like, I, I don't think so. I, I think anything would be a progression for them. I think they're ready to turn the chapter. I mean... Like we said, I mean, even in the last 10 years, I know they won an Open Cup, but that was the season where they were, like, one of the worst ever in league history. They got, like, 15 points or something. Yeah. So, and this is sad because this is, a like, used to be the big dog in MLS, the historical franchise. Gio can come in. You know, he's had success, so maybe he can right the ship. I could see it. I could see it. But for whatever reason, I don't see DC going that direction. I see them. I don't know. I see him going out of league yeah. personally. Yeah. Maybe, Anyways. Maybe Phil Neville. Like I, Oh, gosh. <laughs> that guy needs to just go back to being like a TV analyst. 
Next up, Inter-Miami hosting FC Cincinnati. Cincinnati wins on the road 1-0 and ends Miami's playoff hopes. No Messi in the MLS playoffs in his first season. You know, I was kind of conflicted about this because part of me wanted to see the Miami train keep going, um, possibly be able to see Messi more this season because I didn't think he was going to play for the rest of the season. But at the same time, I'm a little happy they didn't make it for for a couple of reasons. Partially because I think it's good for the health of their club to like have that off season and actually like get more of a vision rather than just, oh, we got Messi and a bunch of other new guys. Also because the league has like bent their knee and like like bend the rules all around whatever Miami wanted to just see it backfire and not make the playoffs is awesome. I was going to say, I was actively rooting for the Miami machine to to lose. Every League's Cup game, I was wanting him to lose. Every U.S. Open Cup, MLS game, I don't know why. Like, their players are, you know, the stars they've brought in aren't, like, hateable players unless you're a Ronaldo super fan online. But, I don't <laughs> know. I just, I don't like, and I get why, and I get it brings in the money. I just don't like the attention that's been fawned over in Miami from MLS and that's not really new. My MLS does this for every team that's like moderately successful and kind of flashy. They do it for LAFC. They did it for the Galaxy with Zlatan. They did it for Toronto. They did it with Seattle. You know, they have their darlings. It's yeah, and it's it's clear to everybody. Like I think the only people who deny that are like the fans that support those clubs. But now, like when those clubs, when their time starts to go, you see it like all the time in the comment section. Like, why aren't we talking about Seattle? Like, why aren't we talking about, like, well, nobody says about Toronto anymore. But, uh, you know, and then you have the teams that have been really good for a while and don't get the same coverage. Like a Philly, like, you know, they've been solid for quite a while now. And they, you know, they get a decent amount of coverage, but not the same way an LAFC has gotten coverage. Um, not the same way an Inner miami has gotten coverage. Um, Miami, I think, is an anomaly. They, you know, they signed the greatest player of all time, so it makes sense that MLS is trying to just grow their brand as much as they can right during this like flash in the pan. Um, but I think for all of us who followed MLS, you see it throughout the past. You saw it with LAFC, probably was the worst example of it. Like nonstop posts, discussion, everything was revolving around this team. Even earlier this season when they were tearing it up before they lost in the CCL final, you'd watch an LAFC versus whoever game and all the pregame, postgame coverage would be talking about it from LAFC's perspective, fawning over them. and that That's something that I think is like, it's true of a lot of soccer coverage around the world. And it's like one thing that really irritates me. And that's what I think like I appreciate about what we do with our podcast of like giving attention to every team because you know I've listened to the extra time podcast and they almost get kind of like snarky about it when somebody like asks like well, why aren't you talking about like so and so team and they'll say like they aren't giving us anything to talk about but I think there's so many different facets you can talk about with different clubs that you can show love around the league to everybody and I understand you know you have limited screen time you have limited you know time in your schedule to be able to talk about different teams but to me, I appreciate it more no matter what league I'm like 
getting involved in like if i you know i'm listening to media about like the premier league it's more interesting for me to hear about like smaller teams like how the aston villas or the west hams or like the mid table and it it doesn't it's not any different for me with mls i like the in the middle you know i don't you hear enough about the top teams i agree and a lot of it is yeah i i think it's just an all sports on you see it a ton in the american sports media like the Lakers get by far the most coverage in the NBA, even for preseason when like the Nuggets won the championship and were by far the better team. I agree, especially in a league that kind of champions itself on like parity and like having a big middle where everybody has a shot. They definitely, you can tell they have their two cents in snarkiness for a certain pool of clubs. You know what I love to do? Is like when you reach MLS Cup and there's like one of those teams that is there that doesn't belong to be there. It's fun to go on like MLS's like Instagram and scroll back and see the last time they posted about that club like prior to playoffs. Like it's it, I did it when Portland like made it um, against Atlanta and there it took so long. Like of course they posted about them in the playoffs because it's relevant and they're winning and there's less and less teams to talk about. But then when you go back to like regular season, besides like the, oh, Portland clinched playoffs, like you go back further, it takes so long to find like another post. Meanwhile, you can see what Kellen Acosta is wearing on his feet at different LAFC home games <laughs> or which celebrities were at the game. So that's why we started the Net Boys podcast. You can come here and hear us rag on the Colorado Rapids once a week. I mean, genuine as a fan, yeah, I like this is just me and I'm not saying that for our show, but I like when other podcasts like dive into the other teams. I'm just, you can only hear about certain clubs so much. Yeah. And, and it, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say I can, and it makes certain teams like the villains, which I don't think is a bad thing necessarily, but that's an aspect that's not really the intended outcome from the league. Yeah, and I mean, it's a fine balance to walk because there's definitely, like, we brought it up recently, like, we haven't talked about Charlotte hardly at all this season. Like, there's some of those teams that you kind of glance over and you don't necessarily mean it. It's just, like, when you try and cover so much, it makes it really hard to focus and deep dive on everybody. But um, I feel as though we at least put the effort in when there's a lot of media surrounding MLS and other leagues that they couldn't care less. We're the blue-collar... MLS media. We're the we're the OG Columbus Crew badge <laughs> in terms of MLS media. The worst uh Columbus badge. Oh. I actually like that badge you, a lot. You're gonna have to dress a, a certain fan of the show after. Anyways, Anyways, we should move on to the next I game. I don't want to. I really don't want I'll, to. I'm gonna deep dive into this with incredible enthusiasm for the Montreal impact. Club de Foot Montreal smacked the Portland Timbers 4-1 at home. And what a game it was. It was... I didn't catch this live. I was at a work conference, but I watched the highlights. And Montreal was... They were, like, really going for it. You could tell this is a team that was was fighting. and They had a purpose. Um, I thought they were a little fortunate on some of their goals, but... The way they were throwing numbers forward, it seemed like they were definitely a lot more up for the game. And they've been really good at home all season. So it wasn't surprising that the Timbers traveling this far 
it was always going to be an uphill battle to pull out a result. Portland historically does terrible there as well. But, yeah, Montreal, it's this, and then they play away at Columbus. So this is a big match for them if they wanted to make that playoff spot. Portland looked, you know, just getting capitalized on just terrible mistakes on the road. That happens, feels like a good three, four times a season at this point. Like, there's a blowout game on the road, and then somebody like Boley or Espria will get a consolation goal, like, a few minutes before 90. But, man, just setting themselves up in a much harder position because they've got all three points last week against the Galaxy. They'd be clinched. If they got a result here, it'd be much easier now staring down the barrel of the Houston Dynamo, which is going to be a tough game, which I wouldn't have seen myself saying nine months ago, <laughs> most likely needing a win out of that. Um, yeah, uh, not a good result for the Timbers. Needless to say, like it's it's a bad result for momentum, um, but an even worse result when you're looking at standings and, and where they're sitting at. Um, they're on 43 points. Uh San Jose, FC Dallas, Sporting KC, Minnesota all have the opportunity to jump above them with one win. Um, all those teams have one game left except for FC Dallas. So Timbers cutting out a lot of work for themselves on the final day of the season. And it's it's in their own hands, technically, if they, if they get a result, if they get three points. But Houston's no easy competition. And... They get two weeks to work on this. Houston is an incredibly hot team right now. They have been playing out of their mind recently. They, they, I thought there was going to be a little bit of an open cup hangover, and their open cup hangover was getting two draws. So still picking up wins, and then we'll get on to their game this week recently. But, yeah, they haven't lost a game since September 23rd against SKC. And that was kind of like leading up to Open Cup. So they were kind of rotating their squad. I don't know if I would necessarily count that one. Prior to that, their last loss was, oh man, all the way back to League's Cup. So they've only had one loss since League's Cup. Benny Ball looking nice. Um, yeah. It's once a again, tough game for Timbers. Deja vu of last year for me. Like they go on this incredible run to end the season. Like, should have got should have got a result that they kind of blew like in the couple weeks leading up kind of slows their momentum a little bit and they go in on decision day needing like a good result and especially when you drive a thousand miles to Utah <laughs> two states over just to watch your team get battered in the last game it's not too fun the one thing going for Portland in this game though is it's at home and you know that stadium's going to be packed and it's going to be rocking the whole night. Yeah, the Portland midfield this game just was getting overrun on the counter. Like, And that's having a midfield with Acosta and Evander and Moreno. With Moreno and Evander kind of getting exposed. Yeah, not the, not the two hardest working midfielders in the league by any means, but... Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know the total update for Diego Chara, but I know he's back in training as well. So he had forty-five minutes last week. Um, he came in at halftime, so could possibly see him from the start uh, against a Houston team in a crucial game that we could really need him in. I think it's Paredes who's the the key factor for me because 
if he's as one of those number eights playing ahead of Acosta or Chara, he provides a lot more, this is no secret, but he provides a lot more defensive prowess than Santi Moreno. So you you would drop Moreno out of the lineup instead of Evander? That's a tricky one, honestly. I'm not sure. I would go, if it was me, Paredes, Evander, with Chara or Costa, and then go Espria and Moreno on the wing. That was my initial thought, but I, I feel as though Moreno's played a lot better through the center of the field. He's a lot more lethal that way. I agree. Rather than on the wing. So even almost playing him or Evander is like a false nine through the middle, but no then Mora? you lose Felipe Mora. So it's El Pipe. It's a <laughs> it's a tough decision to make, but we're not the one getting paid to do it. So Miles Joseph, do your job. Anyways, we should move on to the next game. The New York Red Bulls putting the beat down on poor Toronto FC. This this game, like every time I see Toronto lose, it makes me think of that like Simpsons meme where it's like, "Stop! Can't you see he's already dead?" Like <laughs> they they're just getting beat up. It's three nil in uh, New Jersey, and uh, yeah, New York Red Bulls putting themselves in a good spot to possibly jump up into the playoffs. Be crazy if they kept their streak like what thirteen years in a row in the playoffs alive. Um, 24,000 at Red Bull Arena. Crowd was kind of rocking, actually. It was kind of nice to see. But you're right. With that result, Toronto FC are your 2023 MLS Wooden Spoon recipients. Who would have thought? Who would have thought at the beginning of the season? Not me. <laughs> I had them third place. I think I had them in like sixth or seventh or something like that. But who would have thought that when they signed those guys? Like I remember last season... Towards the end of the season, Timbers played them in Toronto and got shredded, right? Yeah, those Italians were playing out of their mind. And this year it felt like like it wasn't enough last year, but it felt like this year was like they did some smart moves on paper. Like Bob Bradley felt like a smart hire. He had a good record in the league. They got Matt Hedges, solid MLS center back, Sean Johnson, they shored it up, but went terrible for them. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Matt Hedges is already gone. <laughs> it's just, it went so poorly for them. And it's almost like, who do you point the finger at? Do you point it at the the guys in the locker room? Do you point it at, I mean, they already seemingly pointed it at Bob Bradley. Um, but, or do you, you know, look at the front office? There's just it's a lot. Just, there's so many moving factors and it seems like everything went wrong for them. There's just a lot that confuses me about this, like, you're starting Shane O'Neill and Michael Bradley as center backs like in 2023. Like that's no disrespect. I don't mean, but like they had a solid MLS defender and Matt Hedges. They, it's like you alluded to, I don't know if it was last week, but it just feels like it's time for a, an overhaul. Honestly, like this is a team that will spend. This is a team that will be fine in the long run, most likely, but they can pull in like players. They have a nice city, it's they have a lot of money. They're a big club. It's time to clean up shop in Toronto. I would agree. Uh, Toronto, I think it's been discussed enough. Just terrible season. Like there, there needs to be more for them next year because 
they're too big of a franchise to have this happening to them. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. But I think this is their third year in a row not making the playoffs, actually. Wow. That's terrible. Um, Orlando. Fall from Grace. Honestly. Orlando City hosting New England Revolution. Orlando City wins 3 2 at home. They clinch second place in the East, and actually they clinch a Champions League spot because of this. So we're actually the second in the Shield standings, I believe. So congrats to Orlando. Still not picking up that contract option on Oscar Pereja, which is a little confusing, but. You know, we were talking about Orlando, and you said you weren't totally convinced by their roster in comparison to, like, a Columbus or an Atlanta or some of those other big dogs in the East. And I mentioned Duncan McGuire and Ivan Angulo, both of whom got on the score sheet. Duncan McGuire on 11 goals for the season now as well. Solid. So, I mean, he's been a a great pickup. I mean, Orlando has been pretty dang good at picking up strikers out of the draft so not surprising to see him doing well I don't know I mean I I like Orlando don't get me wrong I still think this is a team that's dangerous I just don't there's something unconvincing about it to me and I'm not sure what it is like I'm not I'm never totally convinced when I watch them play I know what you mean I feel that way about certain other teams we'll move on yeah big three points Orlando going to the Champions League next season. New England, that puts them in fifth place. So, clinched already, but New England's got a lot of other things to worry about <laughs> for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. That was, actually, before I forget, Giovanni Savarese and Phil Neville, both linked with the New England Revolution job, which apparently Phil Neville is just linked with every vacant MLS job. I hope we don't become the bottom of the Premier League who just rehires fail or fired MLS managers midseason. <laughs> I, I don't think they would look at Phil Neville seriously. Um, but Gio seems like a good fit for a new England. I think Gio could, could really build something there. It seems kind of a, a club, not culture wise, but like roster build wise right now that mirrors the timbers a little bit. And I could see him pulling out something special with the team there. They got a solid defense, a better defense, I'd say, than the Timbers have had during his tenure. Yeah. They got Henry Kessler, Dewan Jones, um, Andrew Farrell, Dave Romney, and good pieces. So he could play his counterattack style. And then he's got Carlos Hill and Dylan Barrero when he's not injured. Kind of reminds me of, like, it could be, like, similar... 2018, 2020, Portland-esque when they had decent defense and just let Valeri and Blanco like work magic on counterattacks. Could be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, solid defense, um, some pretty good outside backs that could bomb up, and then when you mix in guys like Carlos Heel, um, and then they have a really solid midfield, like Noel Buck, who... Doesn't seem like he's going to stick around too much longer. Probably going to go to Europe at some point. Um, just a solid roster build that I think he could do a lot with. They got Tommy McNamara. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke. Um, Gustavo Bo up top. They got they got a lot of pieces that I think, if I was Gio Savarese, I'd be pretty interested in that club. 
I agree. I think I I can see that one happening actually. Next up though, Austin FC hosts LAFC, and you're skipping over an important result here, man. What I miss? Philly Union Nashville nil 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 draw. Yeah, we can move Philly's on. Philly's in that. third, Nashville's in seventh. Yep. Yep. We covered it. Moving on. Austin hosts LAFC. Like I said. LFC wins four to two on the road, ends Austin's playoff hopes. Austin is eliminated. I mean, I don't know what I read into more. Like it feels like every other week, every few weeks, LAFC feels like they're back and they have a few good lights out shootout performances where they score a lot of goals and blow out a team, and then they'll have a lot of confusing results like right in the middle of that. So it's just a roller coaster season for them. And honestly, I'm not too upset about it. Like they have quality. So, you know, they're going to pull out results like this, but I think this year has kind of showed, I don't know if I would put it solely on Chirondolo, but he's not like a top tier coach in my mind, especially in MLS. I don't think he's that great of a coach. I think he's been spoiled with an amazing roster and, Similar to like, this is might be a hot take, but like Zidane when he had Real Madrid, I think that was an amazing roster and there's no way you could lose with that roster. I think that was the same with LAFC last year. Pip. <laughs> I I think they had such a good roster. There was no way he could do anything wrong other than just like playing guys completely in the wrong position. Um, so I think this year where the rest of the league strengthened like substantially, Cincinnati got a lot better. Um, you know, St. Louis came into the league. There's a lot of teams that have gotten a lot better. And then with them having to take on more competitions, it tested his coaching a lot more and it probably showed some of his weaknesses. But when you still have, you know, a Dennis Buwanga, you have Chiellini who can just kind of coach your defense for you. Um, you know, you still have Carlos Vela being effective. Um, Bogush or uh, who's the other young guy they brought in? I can't remember his name. Anyways, they brought another young winger. Just guys that are top top players that... Stipe Buke. Stipe Buke, yes. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much when you have that much talent and you put together some sort of a game plan. I love that comparison because it always... Maybe this is being like an American soccer fan, but seeing all these like people online and on comments of stuff on social media be like Zidane needs to coach the US national team or Pep or like any of these coaches like that who okay maybe yeah it would be cool they're not necessarily a bad coach but if you look at the teams that they've been managing and you give them a roster with (laughs) Walker Zimmerman (laughs) why him the one MLS dude I don't know I was just the first guy that came to mind. <laughs> no, I would agree. Uh, this is straying away from MLS a little bit. I'd say Zidane is in a different level. I think Pep has revolutionized soccer in a lot of ways. And does, he is a great coach in a lot of ways. And you hear that from players who he's coached. Like, Do you think, he'd, do you think he could like turn around a team like a... I think if he was in MLS... Norwich? I, well, maybe, to an extent. I don't think he would get them winning the league. I think he needs the money to do that. But I think the players there themselves would improve substantially. Like his attention to detail is insane compared to. Do you think a lot of coaches? Do you think he can adapt with a roster though? 
like that isn't to no his you need liking. like a you need like a Jurgen Klopp for that um but well, I don't know that's part of Pep though he's always been spoiled with rosters that are amazing um, would Pep Guardiola win MLS Cup with the Colorado Rapids with their current roster build sure no I don't think anybody could Josh Wolf's on the hot seat. You know, they just hired the former city, like, sporting... Saying Pep Guardiola is going to come to Austin. Wouldn't that be funny? Just having him coach. Just the collab of him and Matthew McConaughey and their tight Ooh. suits. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, that's straight away from MLS, but... I like to compare Steve Chirondolo to Zinedine Zidane, two amazing players, you know, generational talents in their day. One was one of the best players in the world. The other one played for Real Madrid. (laughs) But then in their coaching career, a little bit fortunate with the rosters. They were gifted because when you look at uh, his Las Vegas record was not impressive for Chirondolo. And Zidane hasn't coached anywhere other than Madrid. Coached like their youth team and then was like, here, just take this, the greatest team ever assembled, essentially. You have like the best player in the world in each position, except for like right back. It's like, and then Carvajal disrespect <laughs> on the pod. <laughs> yes, sir. He, what MLS team would he go to if he came to the league? Definitely like Galaxy. Yeah. Or, <laughs> that's, that screams like Ashley Cole vibes right there. Or maybe, maybe he does the classic. Like goes to goes to Montreal for like a half season and we just forget about <laughs> just it. In the lore, dude. That was, so that hit me randomly the other day. Ashley Cole played for LA Galaxy for a while. That was such a weird pickup for them. After like years before, he said he would never or he he wouldn't want to play in MLS till he's like ready to like smoke a cigarette on the beach, pretty much. <laughs> and then he joined the Galaxy, and it wasn't good for them, really. I remember he got a red card at one point, and it was pretty bad. It was a terrible tackle. It's like he wasn't terrible, but his most notable contribution was crossing to Zlatan to get the game winner in that debut game, you know. He was still there when Zlatan was there? No way. I thought he was long gone before then. I, there was a little bit of overlap, because I don't know if he was there when Gerard was there, but it was roughly at the same time. And I remember he played in that, that first El Trafico game. I'm pulling it up right now. This guy's fact-checking me live I'm on the I'm pulling pod. it up. He played for Arsenal from two, 1999 to 2006. Played for Chelsea 2006 to, Judas. to uh, 2014. Played for Roma 2014 to 2015. LA Galaxy 2016 to 2018. You would be correct. That first year they had Zlatan was, they had a lot of good pieces. I mean, or like notable pieces from Europe. They had him. They had, remember Alison Drini, that French yeah. winger? They had Christian Pavone. I know he's Argentinian, but he was. Christian Pavone was really good. Yeah, he was solid. I, he should have been a guy they kept. Um, they had Ibra, obviously. They had Chris Pontius. So, they, I mean, they had a lot of like recognizable. <laughs> Fun fact, actually, quiz, who did he go to after he left LA Galaxy? Ashley Cole? Yeah. Wasn't it Derby? 
Yes, sir. Derby County. Him and Rooney went and he played nine games. <laughs> Did he retire right after? Yeah. Yeah, he played nine games, six starts. Wow. So he went over to England and went over with a cigarette in his mouth before retiring. He played a total of 566 minutes. <laughs> Probably get paid like $13 million for that or something. That's weird. Anyway, the Mighty <sighs> Men in Red, the Chicago Fire, hosted Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte turning it up right before the end of the season. A 2-0 win at Soldier Field in Chicago. Ashley Westwood with a nice banger of a volley. Did you see that? I did. I did. Ashley Westwood turning it on. Carol Swiderski getting a PK goal. Charlotte making a late playoff push. Would, th- would this be their first ever playoff berth if they make it in, right? Yep, because they, they narrowly missed last season. They're going to narrowly miss again this season. Oh, man. Big game because, yeah, Chicago was four points ahead of them. Now Chicago's one. Charlotte, however, will get two more. They have two games left, both against Inter-Miami. So if they if they win out, that would put them at 45 points, which you would think would be enough to get them over. Yeah, it would, technically. Yeah, so... Do you think Charlotte's doing the math, like like high school soccer player math, where they're like, we just beat Chicago 2-0. Chicago beat Inter-Miami 4-1. We can beat Inter-Miami 6-1. I wonder how much teams do stuff like that, because you'll see, like, you'll see the weird stuff where an MLS team will beat another, like, 4-0, and then the team that beat that team will just lose to an inferior opponent, like, <laughs> One nil. Yeah. I don't know. Charlotte, though, two games left in their season. Both are against Inter Miami. Tall ask, but uh Miami's out of the playoffs, so maybe they maybe they rotate their squad and give Charlotte a chance. We talked before the pod about this, but you seem pretty certain Messi sits. I would probably agree. Do you think they sit like Busquets and Alba as well? Or um, maybe. I think so, personally. I I think it depends. They might float one of them out there for a game, like they one or the other. I don't think they put both of them out there. But I could see them floating like a Busquets out there or something. Not so much to, like, try and win the game. I think right now it's purely about getting the team to, like, bleed in together. And um, I think they I could see them... Alba less so, but I could see Busquets still playing just to kind of get that midfield more on the same page. Um, and, you know, if they're going to start playing those young guys, I think it's good for them to get minutes with a guy like Busquets next to them who can kind of teach them in the moment. Some good analysis. I'll give you that. So Charlotte gets the win, and Destiny's kind of in their own hands, actually. So I'm curious to see how that ends up. If Charlotte makes the playoffs and the Timbers don't, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> yeah, we'll get more into that. I just want to rant a little bit. but <laughs> um, The other prediction game was Dallas and San Jose. There was actually another one was Orlando and New England. We were both wrong. We both thought Orlando would win, um, and they did, but we got the scores wrong, so we get a point apiece. Next, we got Dallas hosting San Jose. I thought Dallas would win. Chase, bang on the money. 1-1 draw. I knew this was going to be a dead game. 
A Boba C goal in the third minute. Oh, who was that? O'Brien. Oh, his first, what, he's got two goals in the last four months? Who was that that scored there? Who was that? King Jabo. Yeah, King Jabo with the weird neck thing. Scored a goal in the third minute. I don't dislike. It's like, this is how you feel about Orlando City is how I feel about Jeremy Abobasi or Brian White. Whoa. Putting some disrespect on some top-tier MLS talent right there, buddy. I mean, point of peace. Turning Euro snob on me? Absolutely not. You're going to be, what's next? Why don't Tank Abobasi could do it in a championship? <laughs> not even that. It was He can't even float it in League One, third tier. <laughs> League One, third tier? With the Juliper Pro League in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's playing in a Mickey Mouse Burger League. <laughs> Anyways, 1-1 one, one game. Not too much to talk about here. Both teams are not out of contention, but right on the verge. If they both win, they would replay this game in the wild card spots. So they're they're right there. Good chance of uh, both of these teams making playoffs, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of factors that go around that. Yes, yeah, San Jose's playing Austin next, already eliminated. Dallas plays the Rapids and the Galaxy, both already eliminated. So you would think. In theory, they should get three points against both. This is MLS, though. We'll see. You never know. Um, yeah. See, it feels like San Jose's drawn so many games lately. It's kind of crazy. Next up, though, Houston Dynamo hosts poor Colorado Rapids, and they win 5-1 to one at home. I feel like I've seen this scoreline so many times. It's like a pretty much a blowout from a team like a Houston playing Colorado and you'll see like Cole Bassett got a consolation goal sounds like the Timbers <laughs> Houston looking scary I I think part of it was they were playing Colorado but they scored like three or four really good team goals like switching the play side to side getting at least like seven or eight guys involved in the play and then just putting away a finish. They also scored like an insane, I think it was one of their like defenders like scored an insane goal. But yeah, just solid game from them. You can say, you know, it was just Colorado, but lest we forget the Timbers just played them and they won 3 to 2 at home. Pretty similar lineup honestly and Houston just takes care of business. Gives the fans a show last regular season home game. I forget what it's like to feel like as a fan, you know, watching your team comfortably in a playoff spot, not having that crippling anxiety that you might be four months away from watching your team again if your own team <laughs> just has a, a terrible error or loses a game by chance. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time Timbers like wrapped up playoffs like comfortably before the last game of the season and I want to say like 2020 maybe even then it was I mean they they came in third place that year they were on 39 points tied with Seattle and SKC both above them um but still just too many of these years as a Timbers fan yeah and I get we're we're a little spoiled by a a bar that's been set decently high. Like we were just talking about DC or Chicago, like those teams who haven't had playoff 
success in a very long time. Anyway, though, speaking of playoff contention, Minnesota United hosts LA Galaxy. There's a lot of off-field shenanigans going on before this. Minnesota wins 5-2, to two, but you want to see the big news first? That we kind of predicted. Dayan Jovalich scores a consolation goal in the 82nd minute. That's exactly what I was referring to. Adrian Heath has been finally fired from Minnesota. I'm not celebrating it. Feel bad for the guy, but go back to England. I think your time in MLS is done. Um, Yeah, he was fired before this game, and then they go on to just... Timo Pukki decides, like, oh, man, let me bang in some goals now, and he puts four past the LA Galaxy. And these two just played, like, remember, like, two weeks ago, and LA won four to three at home. Man, Adrian Heath, we got interim manager for Minnesota, Sean McAuley. He takes the shackles off of the loons. He lets those birds fly. (laughs) And, yeah, wild game. Also, this game wasn't on MLS season pass because the Minnesota production crew went on strike because they wanted more health care benefits. So just an all-around weird night in MLS. In the same... City, you have a team firing their coach after seven years. He's probably like second longest in the league at this point. They behind PV, yeah. You can't watch the game because it's the camera crew went on strike, and then the team who fired their coach puts five goals on LA Galaxy. Love it. Oh man, not really though. I kind of would have preferred a draw actually. Yeah, result wise for the Timbers, I'd prefer a draw there. Um, but for the entertainment that is MLS and the chaos, that is amazing. Ends the LA Galaxy's season. You'll love to see it. We were talking about the Galaxy a couple weeks ago, and we both we both said if we were to put money on it that the Galaxy would make the playoffs. Remember, they kind of had some better form. and They were heating up, and they had a favorable schedule. Um, I mean, we didn't talk about it, but Minnesota won a game at home. That is uh, unheard of this year. <laughs> Fourth time. And it only took him until like right at the end of the season. So just crazy. But shall we move on? We shall. We shall. Minnesota with one more game left. LA Galaxy is eliminated, but have two more games left to play, even <laughs> though they're out of the playoffs. Um, kind of uh, sad. Real Salt Lake versus Sporting Kansas City. SKC coming up the victors three to two RSL man like I got to give it to them they they played a heck of a game but Justin Glad getting a red card in the second minute did not help this team at all yeah it usually doesn't I'm a bit <laughs> Kansas City huge three points like we talked about last week we thought they were dead they got destroyed by St Louis and now they pretty much it's almost win and they're in but Dude, how does this Kansas City team will not die? Every time it feels like it's they're in a good form, then they have a patch where it doesn't look like it, and then they get this win, and it just feels like you can almost smell it. Oh man, yeah, they're gonna squeak into ninth place and then lose the <laughs> the play-in game for playoffs or something. But yeah, I mean, honestly, 
this win doesn't impress me for SKC though. The fact that they were up a man for 88 minutes of the game. Um, they scored some good goals. They went up three zero, but RSL, like at the start of the second half, even like most of the second half, they were still bombing guys forward as if they had a full 11 on the field. Like they were, they were giving SKC a significant number advantage in the counterattack, and SKC was, could not like capitalize on it. If this was like a Houston who is like in hot form right now, I think it would have been like a six, seven, maybe even eight goal game against RSL with how they're sending players up the field. Um, but it kind of shows the attitude of RSL right now. Like they know they have quality. They know they can strive for more. Um, obviously they've kind of locked up their spot in playoffs at this point. So they're playing with a little bit of freedom that, you know, they wanted to get a result. Like at this point, goal difference doesn't necessarily really hurt them. So, um, SKC, I was a little disappointed that they couldn't make more of like a man advantage for 88 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think for, I know what you're saying because at three nil, if you look at it on paper, it would have been like, okay, you were up pretty much the whole game. You took care of business away from home. Three, two makes it a little concerning, but I think for Kansas city, they don't really care. They got three points, and it's been such a weird season for them, especially the way they started, that they just they just want to win at this point. Did you see uh, Brandon Vera's, or I think his name's Brandon Vera. Did you see his goal for RSL? Dude, that guy has some... He's like the new Jacob Glessness. <laughs> what is up with defenders scoring the most insane goals in MLS this year? Barreal with the Puskas nominee. Miguel Trauco scoring bangers like all year long. <laughs> now Brandon Vera getting in on the action. It's like all these mid-level like... Dude, hot take. The Miguel Trauco corner volley. Better than Barreal's for Cincy. I would agree. This Brandon Vera goal though. Insane. He's Yeah, it's like the third time too. He's scored... Remember that I think it was against the Timbers. They just hit it to him low on a corner kick, and he just placed it, just laser bolt. Did a similar one at home not too long ago. What a legend! You love to see it. Good stuff. RSL, SKC clinging on for dear life for their playoff hopes. RSL, I think is. I don't think they walk away from that game upset with how they played as much as they're probably more irritated with the red card. Um. But we'll move on to the final game of this weekend, or this Saturday. Uh, Seattle Sounders hosting Vancouver Whitecaps. A big, fat 0-0. Yeah, not the not the greatest match, honestly, especially since it's a, a higher-seed matchup game. It's Cascadia. You know, those games are always supposed to be a bit chippy. Nil-nil. Point of peace, you know not bad for Seattle. You know, they're in a good spot. They haven't lost in a while. They're rounding into form. I will say after the game and Nico Ladero was subbed off and he was like waving to the fans and the TIFO from the Seattle supporters group, Emerald city supporters was about him. A lot of people were asking him if it was going to be like his last game. Apparently some fans said he asked him and he said like, yeah, this is my last like home game in Seattle. He'll play in the playoffs obviously, but End of the Ladero era in Seattle. What's your take on that? As a Timbers fan, you love to see it. 
I mean, part of me loves to see it because that guy has been really good for them. Um, I wish they would just, you know, do the like unreasonable thing and keep him around and just keep trotting him on the field, even though he's not productive anymore. Um, but just as a fan of the league, he has been an amazing player for them. And, uh, you know, whenever you kind of watch them a little bit more neutrally, like he has been the heartbeat of their club, similar, similar to how, uh, Diego Valeri was for the Timbers for so long. So it's going to be interesting to see how they transform themselves after this. In terms of number 10 attacking midfielders, where does he rank in terms of signings in MLS? In signings, that's really tough because the year they signed him, he completely turned their whole season around and they ended up winning the league because of him. Carried them, absolutely. Um, So I think there's a little bit of bias because they got immediate success from signing him. Um, if you're talking about just number 10 signings, I would put him probably in the top five. Probably up there in the top five somewhere. I'd put him at like two. Yeah, I, I would say he's right up there. I mean, for me, I'm definitely biased. I think I think Diego Valeri is like the number one because um, he kind of revolutionized the league in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of teams started scouting differently. They started looking for younger DPs. They started looking to South America more. Um, I think I would put like a Lucho Acosta above a Nico Ladero, though, for just his quality. I think he's a better player, and he's had a similar effect on this Cincy team that Ladero had on Seattle. He doesn't have the trophies to back it up quite yet, though. I was going to say, we're biased Timbers fans, but it feels like Valeri's number one for that, for his like individual production. And obviously, he also won an MVP. So. Obviously, yeah, Ladero had more team success, won more trophies. I would say Seattle's had better overall squads in terms versus Portland, I think, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. But Portland's always had been blessed with a good midfield. So interesting. Yeah, kind of like we talked about last week. Actually, a few weeks in a row. Seattle's changing their brand, maybe their stadium soon. The old guard might be stepping down. It's kind of a new era for the Sounders. I hope it's a bad one. We talk, we talk a lot about the Sounders the last few weeks for a couple of Timbers boys. About time we start focusing in on the... You know, we, start, we need to start focusing on some other teams. Who Charlotte. You, I was going to say, other than Charlotte, who do you think we've given the least amount of love on this podcast? Just like the whole year? Yeah. New York City's been one. I feel like we haven't. The Red Bulls as well, honestly. I would say so. Or uh, Orlando until recently. Orlando's a good shout. Montreal. <laughs> well, we kind of talked about with Wolford Nancy a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's a fair amount of teams. I mean, it's hard when you got 72 teams in the league. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, that wraps up this week's action. Kind of a... It's an international break next week, so a couple games are playing, a couple teams making up some games, but decision day is the next big match week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun... Uh, Maybe. Well, yeah, we hope so. We hope for the, the best, of course. Um, But there's a little uh, another little game we wanted to play today that uh, I kind of floated to Jacob. I've seen it going around. There's a... See it on TikTok a lot, but we're going to do some blind drafts. So essentially a blind draft is uh, 
I'll give Jacob a topic or a theme of some sort, and I'll have five people, teams, things lined up, and I'll give them to him one at a time. He has to list them one to five somewhere in that list without knowing what's going to come next, and he's trying to give the most appropriate list. So we got a couple made up for each other. Seems kind of like a unique idea. Yeah, I I don't know about you, but the ones I've seen about this are not soccer related at all. It's like dudes debating like movie characters or like types of food or something like that. Yes, I would agree. I haven't really seen anything soccer. I've seen a couple soccer ones that are usually just like debating like greatest of all time or something like that, but never nothing MLS. I was going to say, not that we're starting this for sure, but it seems interesting. Yeah, I, the concept of it is cool because, yeah, you're ranking stuff and not knowing what's to come next. So you're trying to be conservative a little bit with your... Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to throw down too early and put something at the top of the list and then have something that, uh, you know else come along and make your list, list look uh, ridiculous. So you want to start it off or you want me to start it off? I can start it off. Hit me with it. Blindly rank these five MLS MVP winners. Ooh. So former winners. All right. Hany Mukhtar. Hany Mukhtar. Oh, man. That's tough because he is amazing. Can you tell... Do you happen to know like what year he won it or like for each of these people or no? Yes. Hany uh, Mukhtar was last year, actually. Last year. Yeah, so, so I, knew, I knew it was last year. I'm just thinking for future people. Hany Mukhtar is a tough one, but he had one of the greatest MVP seasons I've ever seen last year. Um, I know he scored like 20-plus goals and had good nearly, amount of assists. nearly 20 assists. It was like 10 to 20 assists. That's on a team, too, that plays very defensively. That's a tough one. I think I'm going to put him at two. I think that's a uh, a solid shout there. Something better's to come, you think. All right. Haney Mukhtar is at two for Chase. Next up, Robbie Keane, 2014 with the LA Galaxy. I might be a little biased here because I was never the biggest Robbie Keane fan. Um, plus, that LA Galaxy team seemed to be built far superior to the rest of the league. They were the original kind of super team. So uh, a little less impressive to me. So I'm going to go ahead and put him at five. Okay. 19 goals in uh, in the league that year. Not bad. Not bad. Next up, Yosef Martinez, 2018. Ooh. Won the MVP, MLS Cup MVP, MLS Cup Golden Boot broke the record originally. I believe 32, 33 goals, maybe. That is tough because that was, at the time, that was an, an unbelievable season. Um, I don't think anybody could really, like, comprehend what he was doing to, to the league that first year. Like, he, I'm trying to remember how many goals he scored that year, but. I mean, obviously one of the great MLS seasons. Um, so that year he scored 31 goals and had five assists. So 36 goal contributions across the whole year. That's tough. That's tough. I, ooh, 
I don't know if that's necessarily better than the Hani Mukhtar season, though. It's tough because, I mean, it was... I know MVP isn't supposed to count playoffs, but does that kind of factor in for you that he yeah. delivered in the playoffs? That's what's that's what's kind of making it difficult for me because uh, the playoffs is, like, what really sets that year apart for him. That's an insane amount of goals. Um, but when you look at how that, like, Atlanta team was built, it was built around, like, supplying him with opportunities to score. So I'm going to put him at three. So we got Haney Mukhtar at two, Joseph Martinez at three, Robbie Keane at five. Yep. In the MLS MVP draft. I'm going to put you in a difficult spot here. Diego Valeri, 2017. You just oh. knew I had to do it. I knew that one was coming, and I should have saved a spot for it because that 2017 year when there was nothing else for the Timbers, Diego Valeri was amazing. Originally was the the league record for most games in a row, consecutive games with a goal. Um, 21 goals, 11 assists. Timbers finished first place in the Western Conference that year, lost in the first round of the playoffs, though. Um, so, yeah, he was the second player in MLS history to get 20 goals and 10 assists in a season. So... Yeah, that was in a pretty bleak year for the Timbers where there wasn't too much else to root for around the team. Like, Diego Valeri was amazing. Like, there was, I think you said it was eight or nine game stretch where he scored, and he carried us through that it's, year. It's a shame that that record got broken immediately the next yeah, season. Yeah, the next year with Joseph. Joseph Martinez. Oh, man. This is tough because... I can't. I feel like I can't put him first because there was no postseason success that year, really. Um, also, the fact that like that record has been beaten like many times over, like goal wise. But I have a I have a hard time because I'm a Timbers fan and I know the importance that he played, like solely as the one player that carried that team. I think is a really good shout to put him at number one. Oh man, twenty-one goals is not even as a out-and-out striker too is pretty nuts. You know what? My bias is gonna shine through. I'm putting Diego Valeri number one. It was an insane season. Like all these other guys you've listed, uh, like Hani Mukhtar is probably the closest thing. Like Joseph Martinez, Robbie Keane, they were a part of like in really really strong teams that were built around providing them with success. Diego Valeri has never had an extremely strong team around him. He's been more so the facilitator to provide success for everybody else on the team, and he just has such a good knack for picking up goals. Hani Mukhtar, I'd say, kind of falls into that vein a little bit more. Do you know who he had that season around him? Yep. Jeremy Abobasi was a rookie, so yeah. didn't really play a ton. Fernando Adi was solid. You had Darren Maddox out with the, him. The guy who... Drew more penalties than he scored goals. Jack Barmby. Um, oh, man. Diego Valeri. Or Diego Char was there, obviously. Blanco was there in his first season. Nagby was there. Blanco had right. a slow first season as well. He didn't really heat up until the next year. Um, Vitas, the left back from Lithuania. Chance Myers. Hey, we forgot him the other week when we were talking about Timbers left backs, but he was solid. 
Roy Miller. Oh, gross. Amobia Kugo. Yeah. I mean, not a not a good team by any means. Benga Orokoyo, <laughs> center back. Um, this was Mabiala's first season actually for for the team. Wow. Yeah, not a not a very good team by any means. When you and that team came up first place in the West, actually, pretty impressive. Um, yeah, comparing that against the super team of Los Angeles or. The only one I can kind of compare is Haney Mukhtar, I feel like. Yeah, Mukhtar is probably the closest, and if I were to redo this, I would almost, I would almost put Mukhtar above Valeri because the Mukhtar season last year was insane. I'd agree. Yeah. I think pretty similar. So who's going to my number four spot? Number four is Sebastian Javinko, 2015. Oh, man. Personally, my favorite season from a different player in the entire league. Just legendary turn Toronto FC kind of around. This is when you knew they arrived. They didn't have immediate success this season. They lost in the first round of the playoffs versus um, Montreal impact actually. But I mean, as soon as he got here, he was just putting people in blenders and scoring these nuts, free kicks. And I don't know. It was a, it was a special season. That's a, that's a, a tough miss for me to put it fourth right there. That Giovinco season was incredible to watch. This is going to sound stupid, but I don't even think Messi dominated since he's been in MLS like Giovinco did that first season. I'm not saying Messi's isn't as good or Giovinco's better, but I saw somebody break this down recently. Um, Messi's, you know, very limited time in MLS as goal scoring record so far. If you were to carry that out across an entire season, doesn't match the goal and assists that uh, Carlos Vela did in 2019. Pretty nuts, actually. He had a. I was thinking about putting him on there, but that's insane. I mean, obviously, that's a very limited amount of time for Messi with a pretty terrible team, but still pretty new as well. Yeah, yeah he had newcomer of the year, the Golden Boot, won the goal of the year, 22 goals, 16 assists, legendary season. That's a golden era of MLS. I, that's probably my favorite era. Like 20, 2014 to like, no, like 2013 to like 2018 or so. It's a fun time. That was a fun time in MLS. So your overall list was at number five, Robbie Keane. At number four, Sebastian Javinko. Oh, man. Number three was Sebastian. No. Yosef Martinez, Martinez, number two, Haney Mukhtar, number one, Diego Valeri. Not bad. I mean, that's could I, be worse. I gave you some hard ones. I won't lie. Could I w- be worse. I was I was looking at the list of MVPs. There was I didn't want to go too far back, but there was Wondolowski, Mike McGee. Yeah, David Villa had MVP seasons. So. Oh, I forgot about that. All right, what you got? So I have. You're about to rank these five, and you're going to choose best MLS moment. So this is a, a specific moment in time or an event that happened in MLS. It's a good topic. First up, Stefan Fry MLS Cup save against the the Josie Altidore header. Oh, man. I mean, you know, you know what we are. You know we're Timbers fans here. You know what I'm about to put this at. Oh man. 
I'm trying to look at it not from the lens of a Timbers fan, somebody who has watched their team win an MLS Cup before their biggest rival and then watches that same rival win it in, like, the worst fashion I can imagine. (laughs) It's such a legendary moment, though, honestly. Like, I know if that was, like, a Timbers goalkeeper, I'd be raving about that for a very long time. I'll put it at four because it's a good moment. It's a it's a great moment. I'll say that. But if I'm thinking you've picked like some elite moments, I think there's more iconic stuff. All right. All right. That's a fair rating. Part of the, the brilliance of it too was he came from Toronto the season before, like and he was there for like years and they kind of were willing to trade him to Seattle. Fair enough. Next up, let's throwing it back. Dwayne De Rosario's free kick goal that has that iconic view from behind him where it's arguably the best free kick I've ever seen globally. No, I don't think I've ever seen a better free kick in any league in the world. You're spot on. I <laughs> it's insane. like the the precision and power that he got on that was nuts. Look this up. Because even like 10 years ago when MLS was nearly not as popular and not as good, that goal would still get posted online and people would like respect it. People wouldn't just dog on it because it was MLS. Yeah, other than like the Roberto Carlos Suarez free kick. Yeah. I can't think of another one that compares. One of the best goals in league history. However, in terms, I don't know what you've got cooked up for me, Chase, but <laughs> I, I don't really know if I can put it ahead of like a championship save because it was just regular season versus the Galaxy or something. So I'm going to put it at five, even though I hate that. I hate that you put the Stephen Fry thing in there. You're going to make me <laughs> either be a biased Timbers fan or praise Seattle. All right. All right. That's I'm not judging your list, but that's fair, fair that, response. That's a classic moment. Next up, we have the Wayne Rooney assist <laughs> to Lucho Acosta and the dying embers of a game tracks back. Their keeper is up for a goal kick, tracks back, wins the ball off. I forget what team they're playing against in that. Orlando. Against Orlando. He steals, he slides from behind, wins the ball off, gets up, and then hits like a 60-yard ball to the shortest guy in the field. Drops it right on his head inside the box to score a header to win the game. Absolute scenes. I almost love that more than the Darisario goal. And the Darisario one, I think, is more impressive, but that's like what you love about sports. Like a game that's end to end, that's just, you see the athleticism, you see like the, the skill. And I remember when that one happened, it got posted on like ESPN on Instagram. And even like people were like, I'm not really a soccer fan, but like, Like, that was legendary. Like, that was sweet. Once again, though, regular season game, and I can't help but feel there's a bigger moment coming up in the playoffs. I'm going to put it at... I'm going to put it at three, although that is legendary. That is a legendary moment, and I think one of the great, like, narratives around that was Wayne Rooney was basically retired at that point. He He had gained a lot of weight. And he, like, a lot of people thought he came to MLS and didn't really care about it. And he put in that extra effort in just a regular season game. That showed he cared. Yeah, I remember that. To run back and get that ball and then play it into the box like that. That was, I think there's a lot of players that have come to MLS that wouldn't put in that extra effort. 
Next up, though, we have the Timbers double post penalty in the 2015, was it the semifinals? Or is the play-in play game. game? Play-in game against uh, SKC is correct. That's a tough one. You know where I want to put it. Obviously. I already know. I know where you want to put it. I got the banner right behind <laughs> Chase celebrating that championship. But I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I, I'm i talking about the importance of the championship. And Stephen Fry's literally was in the, the final game, final minutes of the game after they were getting dominated by Toronto. But... I think this one is more iconic. I'm sorry. Bias aside, we've seen legendary saves before in cup finals, and I'm not minimizing what happened in Toronto with Seattle. I'm going to take my Timbers glasses off. Like that was That's pretty legendary. That's probably like a top 10 moment ever um, in the league because it kind of started the Seattle dynasty. But Yet it's number four on your list. <laughs> to be fair, you gave me a lot of regular season <laughs> stuff that I wasn't... Looking back, I'd probably put it at two or three. All right, fair enough. But the Timbers one was a nuts game from start to finish. There's been lots of like little mini-series about it. I've never seen anything happen like that in the soccer game, honestly. It was totally unique. And the fact that the Timbers won the cup off of that season and they named a bar in the stadium after that moment and... Like, you ask all the MLS people who've been paying attention. They'd remember that, especially if you're a sporting Kansas City fan, unfortunately. I'm putting that at one. I'm sorry. That's a fair That's a fair placement. Do you know who took that penalty? We just talked about it, didn't we? Wasn't it Saad Abdul Salam? Yes, sir. <laughs> no, uh, I think... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that poor guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. I think this is a easily number one spot. Because this this seemed like a moment of fate versus like a moment of just impressive skill from one player. Like this was... God was on the side of the Portland Timbers. Yeah, it was completely unrelated to the play of any Timbers player in that moment. Um, You know, Saad Abdul Salon hit like a a great penalty. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, that penalty goes in. So just the absolute insanity of the moment. It felt like as though it was a, a moment of fate. And, uh, you know, maybe we're a little biased. So here's what you have for your number two best MLS moment. Eric Hasley's wonder goal against the Seattle Sounders. I don't even know what year this was, but his insane just turning volley from, like, a weird angle that goes right over uh, Casey Keller into, like, the far, like, left side netting. You happy with that in second place there? That's a legendary goal. Not just because it was scored against the Sounders, but yeah, I, I'm happy with that list. I think I can I could read through it again real quick. So number five, Dwayne De Rosario's greatest free kick of all time. Number four, Stefan Fry's MLS Cup saving save. Number three, Wayne Rooney's amazing work ethic and assist to Lucho Costa. Number two, Eric Hasley's wonder goal against Seattle Sounders. Number one, Timbers double post in the playoffs. I'm happy with that. I think, yeah, like we like we talked about, the Timbers one just has too much 
history and lore behind it. Not to mention, too, that whole PK shootout went to, like, 11 rounds and ended with goalkeepers, like, shooting for the win. Weren't you at this game? I was. Our, Legendary. I don't even want to say arguably, but, yeah, definitely the best game I've ever watched, and I was lucky enough to be there in person. Oh, I don't know if I want Best game I watched in person. This last World Cup final was probably the best game I've actually watched. But I wasn't there, so it doesn't count. So your greatest moment of all time is just some messy goal? <laughs> I wouldn't say that's my greatest moment, but that was a, an amazing game to watch from start to finish. Anyways, what's your next one? What do you got for me now? I got a bit of a different take. Okay. So my second list is a little bit of a different direction as well that I think you'll appreciate. I'm going blind rank these five MLS expansion fan bases. Ooh. So, I mean, at this point, most of the league is expansion teams, Fair honestly. Enough. Fair enough. But I've got a few that I was just thinking about this because Diego Valeri was on extra time ranking fan bases, and I was kind of curious. I left Portland off the list. I'll tell you straight up. You don't got to worry about that. But I want to know who you think is a it's a good fan base out of these teams. They're not all expansion fan bases, actually, but kind of kind of some teams I associate with that. All right. So fair enough. Let's see right, what we got. Right off the gates, Charlotte FC. Oh, that's a good one because that sets the tone. Because you really have to separate the fan base from the team with this one. If you include the team, you drop them down a lot further. But when you look at just the fan base, um, they set the attendance record their very first game in the league, um, and it hasn't really died since then. They've been, you know, they've had an amazing attendance for a really not good team, um, and it might just be recency bias. But trying to think of another team that has a better fan base than them, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I know there's a handful out there, but Charlotte has a oh, man. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to run through in my head what teams I would put above Charlotte and think if you have them in there. And I think there's probably two that you do. So I'm going to put Charlotte at third. Going right in the middle. Okay. I respect that. We got Charlotte. How about the one thing that keeps me from them putting them a little bit higher than some of the others is it doesn't at least that i know of they don't have any cool like super unique traditions not yet the only one i see online is i see you get memed on but have you seen their little like it's not even a mascot but they had like a shirt or something with this weird like smiley face looking thing with wearing a crown and it's called sir minty and no, i have not it's like a soccer ball oh i guess it is a real mascot actually but he's wearing like a king's robe and like <laughs> a, a bunch of like bling around his neck. And I don't know. I'm a fan of Sir Minty. Anyway, next on the agenda, we have Vancouver Whitecaps. That I think has to be like an easy fifth place. I think Vancouver kind of has a little bit of a dead fan base. 
they play and it, part of it comes from them playing in such a massive stadium that they have to like cover up half of it because they know it's never going to be full so I think I'm going to go Vancouver at five that's an easy one LAFC oh man they're they're really really well supported this is another one for me you have to kind of separate your own disdain or at least for me my own disdain for the club itself yeah I mean I've said this before but they're the Raiders fans of MLS like that's so true. They they are die hard for their team. It's just like the difference between them and Raiders is like Raiders are not a historically successful franchise. LAFC is a successful franchise. So like their enthusiasm is that more obnoxious from LAFC fans. And I'm not trying to throw shade at Raiders fans. My girlfriend and her family are all Raiders fans and I just like Dude, the the enthusiasm they have, like you'll be walking through the grocery store and you see like two people with Raider shirts on, they'll see each other and go, Raider! <laughs> it's like, they'll like yell it to each other in the grocery store. And I think like LAFC fans have like that same enthusiasm to the point like the first time they came to Portland, I think I told you this story, it was like a really heated game. and like, We were there actually, remember? We... You took us, but we sat in different spots. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And like where we were sitting at like their fan. So their fan section was huge and like overflowing and got to the point where they like they picked up one of the chairs for like the handicap seats and they were like throwing it. It was like absolute chaos from them. So that like makes me have less respect for them as a fan base, but their passion. That's really hard. Because I, I would put them above a Charlotte, but I'm still thinking of two other teams that I respect a little bit more than LAFC. So I think I'm going to go... Oh, man. It feels terrible to put them at four, so I almost can't do it. So I think I'm going to go with two. I think I'm going to have to put LAFC at two. I can respect that. They Honestly, they probably travel the best in MLS, I'd say they have a giant fan base in a very short time. And yeah, that's for me, it's tricky. It's like, where do I weigh, you know, the hooligans that come out and like these mass meetings, you know, it's a few bad eggs, but throwing stuff on the field or ripping out handicapped chairs at another team's stadium on their first away <laughs> visit. I would put them at four if I was you, but all right. I was, I was thinking about it. And if you got the, the two teams up that I think you have, then I'm probably going to regret putting them at two. Austin FC. Oh man. Is that who you're thinking? No, it wasn't. Um, Austin FC. There's been like a lot of media coverage about, but it doesn't excite me. You know what excites? It excites Joe Rogan. He's a big (laughs) fan. Austin FC just seems like they, they don't, travel well they I don't know I just it doesn't excite I don't think they're the greatest fan base in the league by any means I don't think they're even top five um, so I'm going to put them at four which leaves Sporting Kansas City with the last spot at number one for you that is not the team I was thinking of at all you thinking Atlanta I wouldn't put I was thinking Atlanta or St. Louis I was I would have put both those above Charlotte or LAFC I took Atlanta out of the list because I thought they, they remind me a little too much of Charlotte. Kind of bigger fan base. 
I'm curious to see Atlanta in a really bad year. They've had some not great years, but like give them like two, three years of consistent unsuccess, I guess. And I'm curious. So your list would be, I should have left Vancouver for last, honestly, because looking back now, <laughs> it was a little bit easy. Vancouver at five. At number four, Austin. Number three is Charlotte. Number two is LAFC. Number one is Sporting Kansas City. I will say Sporting Kansas City, not the most impressive, but... Solid fan base. Solid fan base in a not huge area, and they pack out that stadium and make it feel really loud for having, what, like 19K or something like that? Yeah. I I, I think it's a not the worst list I could have done. I think I'm happy with that one. All right. Last draft, though. I need you to rank these players based on who you would let date your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Got to rank these five guys. Number one being who you would be most eager to let date your daughter. The one that show up for prom and you would be like happy and eager to, you know, see her go. If you got to clarify, Jacob does not have a daughter currently. That's right. I'm 23 years old. <laughs> if Diego Luna's on this list, he's five. Diego Luna is number one on the list. <laughs> I knew that was an easy, easy Actually, five. Yeah, that's number one on the list. Diego Luna. I is... knew for a fact that was what you were going to say, and I was going to put him later in the list, but I was like, I'll just leave him number one. I think it'll be funny to get it out of the way. I forget. He's the same name as a Star Wars actor, so that guy always comes up first, but... Diego Luna, I like him. He's a solid dude. First off, he's 20 years old, though, so why would he be taking a girl to prom out of... Well, you got... Okay. I know, I know. None of these guys are (laughs) young enough, or else it's going to end up like that one time we did the football quiz, and it just named random MLS youngsters. I mean, honestly, don't really know much about his personal life. He could be a nice dude who... Volunteers at the food bank, goes to church, helps out grandma crossing the street. But I mean, I mean, if I'm a father and the guy interested in my daughter has tattoos of daggers going up and down his throat, <laughs> it's a little bit of a, it's a small flag. I won't lie. I'm not even anti-tattoo necessarily, but that's a yeah, not so fair, fair uh, statement. I'll, I'll gladly put Diego Luna at number five myself. Next up, though, <laughs> Chicho Arango. <laughs> Is this just going to be RSL's starting 11? <laughs> I know, but that would be really funny if I just did only RSL players. I mean, <laughs> I, mean you're, I know all these players, but you're making me like take like a Google search of like their take faces and them. stuff. I'm trying to see who has like any controversies. Like, I will be talking about a random player, and it'll be like, "Oh, they got arrested for armed battery like eight years ago in a different country." <laughs> I don't really know about that. Yeah, Chicho no, I, Arango. Sorry, I didn't put Andy Polo on the list. Don't oh, worry, man. Chicho Arango, though, like, I mean, he seems like a good dude. Like, he uses a lot of hair gel. I'll say that. <laughs> so that might be a. A little bit of a moment where it's like, does he weigh a little too much into his own personal look? Am I reading into it too much? I'm not really sure. I'll take him over Diego Luna, but 
kind of scary what you have next, but I'll put him at four. Chicho Arango at four. All right. I love Colombian food, and he's Colombian, so All right. maybe that would swing me higher up in a different list. Fair enough. Next up, Zarek Valentino. <laughs> I take it back. I'm putting him at five. <laughs> What's wrong with Zarek Valentine? We already, you know, we listened to that podcast two two times ago, I think, where we talked about him and Eric Miller for like a long time. And I was surprised how we just kept going back to it and back to it. When you thought it was over, no, we kept talking about It's still not over. It's still not over. I mean, do you really want the guy who just gets passed around from different clubs all the time? Whoa. <laughs> hey, man. I'm, I'm talking about soccer here. Yeah, I know. Just think, though. Would he be a nice young man to date your daughter? I know he's currently married. He has kids. He's a good dad. I was going to say, all these players probably have... Did you... <laughs> I mean, his hobbies include cooking and playing the guitar, according to Wikipedia. I know yeah. he was very, he was like weirdly obsessed with Oreos. I do know he's a sneakerhead because he, uh, he'll post pictures of like him, his wife, and their baby like all wearing matching like Nike sneakers. Is that a red flag for you? Like somebody who's weirdly into shoes or not even like a dating way? But depends like, on the extent. I think it's the same as most things. If somebody's overly obsessed I don't know. Some, some, I don't understand it. When I see people comparing sneakers and they're like, I dropped $13,000 on these. I'm like, that's stupid. I mean, ZV. So, where are you ranking ZV? Oh, you got one, one through three left. He's not a bad dude, honestly. I mean, the way I was talking about him last time might sound like it, but I'm going to put him at three. I think I think Oreos are not a healthy snack, and says the guy who drinks three cups of chocolate milk a day. <laughs> not anymore, man. It's like two. <laughs> ZV at three. Oh man, was he at one for you? I would have put him one or two. I, all right. Next up, it's too late. You can't change it. It's all right. Next up, we got Bernadeschi, <laughs> Mister Vapes on Plane himself. I mean, <laughs> in perspective, yes, that does look bad in comparison to some of the other lads on this list where I'm just purely going off of appearance and Oreo obsessions. But <laughs> I don't know. This guy's been trouble, man, for Toronto FC. He's vaping on planes, getting in disputes with the coaches and... He looks like older Diego Luna. <laughs> I can see that. Like Luna, if he didn't go on the villain arc in appearance, but in personality, did. Um, maybe he's a softie, though. You never know. I mean, he's <laughs> Italian. Italians are real charmers, usually. Like there's a there's a real romantic aura about the country of Italy. All right. Oh, man. This list is going to be just like... I'm just literally going from top to bottom, but I'm putting them at two. You're probably going to pick some like terrible... 
All right. All right. Bernadeschi at two. So I went from five, four, three, two. Yeah, you just started going straight down. This is a tough topic, too. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to be basing this off of. Like, I could have I could have picked some softer guys. I thought ZV was a good one to throw in the middle. I think that could have been a could have thrown up the list a little bit. Looking back, yeah, but I didn't think you put Sir Vapes a lot right in front of him <laughs> after. So last one, and I think you will be pleased with him at number one. The teddy bear himself, Diego Chara. Darlington Nagby. Dude, nicest guy ever. That's a that's a safe guy at number one. See, that's why I was afraid. I was I was expecting more Nagbys and Charas and you know I like to make it like to make this difficult for you, man. You you could have I should have saved Diego Luna so you could have to fear that he was gonna be there. So this this ends your list just in the reverse order of how I presented it to you. Diego Luna, number five. Chicho Arango, number four. The Shock of Zarek Valentin, number three. Bernadeschi at two. And Darlington Nagby at number one. Where would you rank that those five if you were to do the list? I would do Nagby, ZV, Chicho, Diego Luna, Bernadeschi. I, will, I don't like Bernadeschi. I think he's a self-absorbed prick. <laughs> It kind of looks like it, too. I mean, if you're basing it off of looks, though. Well, also his attitude. He kind of just acts like it. He just thinks he's, like, the best player ever. I mean, who else vapes on planes? I don't have an answer for that, but that was was good fun. I had another list I was going to do for you, actually. You want to go up? If go you want to go for it real quick. I had another idea in mind. I can. You want to do it real quick? In for my me? head. You got you got players you can pull. Once you go through mine, and I'll I'll kind of think of some on the side. All right. I didn't write these players down, so I'm gonna have to do them off memory. But ranking these guys one through five on who you think you could last longest against in a fight. These are like the conversations you have at a sleepover in middle school, like when you're talking <laughs> about your different teachers and stuff. <laughs> First up, Zarek Valentin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, First up, did, I, I didn't ask you this. Can we do past MLS players? Sure. Daryl DK. how long I would last in a fight with him. Yeah, so number one would be like the longest you lasted down to number five, like the fight was over with him. Because I'm assuming we wouldn't win any of these fights. Dude, he was a tank. Bright DK. Daryl DK. Oh, Daryl DK. Yeah, Bright DK was his brother. I'm going four. I'd probably put him at five, but... Okay. That guy is an absolute unit. My only saving grace for four is... This is unfortunate to kind of mock about, but he gets injured a lot, so maybe maybe uh, I could escape. I think you could... Uh, see what I'm thinking there? See the old Achilles heel in him, huh? All right, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next up, Donovan Ricketts. <laughs> that dude was huge. <laughs> dude, I'm putting him at five. Number five. 
Dude, that guy was massive. <laughs> I would not survive against him. That's a that's a safe bet. Donovan Ricketts was a terrifying man. <laughs> I like how I was going like MVPs and all this stuff and I went a completely different route. Who would date your daughter if you had one? <laughs> who would you last longest with in a death match? Hey, I, I had the best MLS moment to start us off. <laughs> that was solid. All right. All right. Next up. <laughs> Tally Hall. Do remember he is now currently a police officer with the Orlando Police Department. That definitely would change some things. Um, I think, no disrespect, but if you look at those other two dudes, he definitely doesn't have the presence of intimidation those guys do. He looks like an... I mean, it's funny because he's a cop out of the three of them, but he <laughs> looks the most like... It's a normal suburban dad. I could see him like working a, a work-from-home job doing like tech support or... <laughs> You know, working at the bank. I'll put, him at, I'll put him at two. Number two, Tally Hall. All right. All right. Next up, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's who I was thinking you were going to put. I was going to put him at five, but then <laughs> the Donovan Ricketts really was a. <laughs> That's a scary one. I'm assuming you're putting Zlatan at three. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Zlatan at three. Out of all these guys, he's the one who's most well trained to actually hurt somebody. Isn't he like ridiculous at martial arts and I think he's a black belt in Taekwondo, which is why he's so insanely acrobatic with his kicks and stuff in the air. And his his temperament too would be really like scary. Maybe the other guys you could talk it out of them or you know you know, be sly with your words. There's a lot of time I feel like he'd have you thinking you're okay and then you turn around and he'd just round ass kick you in the temple and you'd die. <laughs> have you seen that video where like somebody's walking by back when he was at like Man United and they like they like hit him or something to mess with them and then he just goes and like kicks them really hard? <laughs> Precisely. Uh, anyways. I, I I had a feeling he would end up at this number one spot no matter where I put him, but number one for you is Diego Chara. Which is funny because he's probably the most aggressive out of any of these guys on the pitch, but number one. Absolute teddy bear, and he's also super short. Met the dude. I'm a good few inches taller than him at least, so... <laughs> Just crazy to think about, even more so when you like watch him play and you see him just body guys twice his size off the ball. All right, so your list of who you could last longest with in a fight will go one to five this time. You're gonna last the longest against Diego Chara, then Tally Hall, then Zlatan Ibrahimovic, till you get down to the bottom here, and you got Bright, you know, I got Daryl DK, and then Donovan Ricketts, who's just pulling a Francis Ngannou and ending the fight in the first round. <laughs> the deep pull for any <laughs> non. <laughs> All right. You got one more list for me. I'm going to go a very similar route. I had a different idea, but I just, <laughs> I just found this list. You really inspired me with your fight to the death <laughs> topic. 
but I'm going to take it a little different approach. All right. If you were stuck on an island, oh, no. any MLS player, <laughs> no. or I'm not even going to say player, MLS personality, somebody associated with the league. That means you got Taylor Twelman on there somewhere. <laughs> I already know it. I won't include him, but he was one of the people I had in mind. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Brian Schmetzer. Oh. (laughs) There's no boat. There's. How about about you get three items? What are your three items? I'll let you pick those, and then you guys can share those resources. No no boat, no no anything like that, though. To hang out with Brian Schmetzer forever? Or you can try and escape. I don't think he's capable. I'm putting him at number five. Schmetzer's number five without a doubt. That guy is incredibly annoying. Okay. I'm, I, oh, no, I already know who you got next as well. I know there's another <laughs> one that's worse in there too. Actually, it's his arch nemesis that he can't seem to remember the name of. And am I talking about that Timberman? Ooh. No. I'm talking about Timber Joey, Portland Timbers mascot. That's Do a- I include the chainsaw? I think that's a little bit overpowered though. I'm going to say no chainsaw Timber Joey. I'm still putting him number one. That's an easy number one. Timber, Timber Joey is a legit lumberjack. And uh, I think he would be not only extremely useful, but he's a, just a super nice guy. I'm putting him number one. Number one for Timber Joey. I love Timber Joey. Okay. I can, I can respect it. That's a, that's a solid pick. It's been an easy list so far. Uh, Timber's mascot and then Dr. <laughs> Evil crazy scientist guy in Seattle. You, you don't trust Brian Schmetzer to cook you up a nice concoction that would make no, you like, just breathe underwater like or something? It just seems like he would complain and say my name wrong the whole time. He seems like the kind of guy like com- complains about like joint pain or something, unless he has like his CBD lotion. Now you're just making fun of his age. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hang out with an old guy on a stranded island, dude. You know how useless he would be. <laughs> oh man, I was gonna say Taylor Twelman, but I, I don't want to say that anymore. That's uh, it's a little bit too much for me. All right, I'm going. Andrew Weeby, MLS Extra Time host. So I actually really like Andrew Weeby. I like. I think he's pretty. He's he's funny. He's actually decently knowledgeable about MLS. Um, I do think he would be kind of useless in a survival <laughs> setting. Do or die. You're gonna count on Andrew Weeby. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could do an impersonation of him, dude. Just his. Yeah, I think I'm going to put him at three. I think that's a safe bet. Because I have a feeling you got some worse people in store. But I also think that Andrew Weeby is not very useful in a survival setting. I got... So you're making me want to change a couple answers because I feel like you have me figured out a little bit here. You know, we just talked about him a little bit beforehand. We talked about him actually... <laughs> few weeks ago Justin Glad Rail Salt Lake center back 
Ooh. I mean, judging off of this week, got a red card in the second <laughs> minute, maybe a little unhinged. What do you think? I've, so I've heard he's actually a really nice guy, like a good family man. Like I'd kind of make fun of him a little bit for RSL because I don't think he's an elite defender. But he's a good guy. He's able-bodied, unlike uh, Brian Schmetzer. Um, I think I'm going to put him at number two. I think Justin Glad is a solid guy that I could probably... He's like young enough, too. I could probably still relate to him, unlike Brian Schmetzer would be like talking about like the phonograph or like some weird like <laughs> old technology like me and Justin glad I think we'd like bro out about just random stuff if Brian like if you and Brian Schmetzer had one wish like collectively he'd use it on one of those things like a science teacher would have with the balls that like hit each other and like just stay in motion <laughs> be like that or like throat lozenges or something <laughs> my throat has been killing me this whole time he just wants something like the the soothing halls like honey, like drops. the honey flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's old, so you call him like throat lozenges, not cough drops. <laughs> oh man, he's a solid coach, honestly. But leaving you with for number two, number four, number four, Yosef Martinez. I'm using him again. <laughs> he's just a really fiery personality, known to knock over food trays when he's his team is losing in the away <laughs> locker room um a couple other people i had in mind peter vermise was up oh, there was that who you were thinking no i thought you were gonna do vanny sartini that would have been like he was another one i, I feel would like, rather just go drown in the ocean than hang out with that guy <laughs> didn't you used to be a big fan of that guy i like his work tactically i think he's just so super annoying <laughs> annoying dude but like as a coach, I like him better than Brian Schmetzer as well. He'd be like the annoying comic relief. Like you're trying to like seriously get off the island and he's just like repeating stuff you say back to him in like a high pitched voice and like, <laughs> you know, jumbling up his words. So like surviving with a middle schooler. <laughs> but yeah. instead it looks like a 75 year old Muppet with a pot belly. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're not making any you're not making any friends here I feel like every time oh, we do this podcast there's one more target from a different city who you who you just destroy like picture if you were listening to a podcast and out of nowhere they just they just dissed like a fan favorite like a like a Chara or a Gio Savarese and Chase oh, every man. week hits somebody pretty hard I could make fun of Chara or Savarese as well maybe not Chara Savarese is a little bit easier but Another one I had in mind was Hernan Lasada because, like we were oh, talking about, he critiquing what I'm eating the whole time. <laughs> you can't be drinking a soda on your four month off season. You missed the playoffs because <laughs> your coaching wasn't good enough. Oh man! But yeah, so you got Brian Schmetzer at number five, number four, Joseph Martinez, number three, Andrew Weeby, number two, um, Justin Glad, number one, Timber Joey. I'm happy with that list. I wouldn't really change maybe anything from that list that's a good list i would uh joseph martinez is easily number four probably number five if brian schmetzer's not on that list i don't think anybody would really want to survive with him maybe messy they're kind of forming that they're good friends you know what it seems like though that friendship there 
seems like in like middle school when you have like the popular kids and then there's like that one guy like just annoying kid that just follows them around and it's just like super loud like that's what joseph martinez seems like seems like the annoying kid that's just like following them around like repeating what they're saying like when they say something funny and then laughing too hard at it <laughs> or doing that laugh i was like <laughs> like that <laughs> it sounds like you're just out of breath so <laughs> yeah. okay where does that's a weird <laughs> assessment where does robert taylor fit into that friend group he just seems like a good dude like a likable guy he i don't think he hangs out with them at all you don't think so I uh, know if I'm if I'm continuing with my like middle school analogy, I say he's like the kid who's just like reading a book, always like not really concerned, but, but like can, no nobody really dislikes him. He's like still a good dude, like yeah, you can joke with. Cool dude, you'd like when you have like PE and you gotta pick your teams, you pick him because he's like pretty good. He's like weirdly all right at everything. Yeah, yeah. Get a homework. Get yeah, a PE. but like outside of class, you don't really hang out with him. You don't really talk to him in the halls too much. It's like your mom invites the whole class to the birthday party and most of them, the only people who show up are your friends and then him and he gives you like the best present. Yeah, like super thoughtful present too. I don't think anybody's analyzed Inner Miami's front three like that before. We should uh, do that for every front three. <laughs> like <laughs> analyze dynamics. front three and the dynamics correlating with middle school friend groups. <laughs> The Chicho Arango, Jefferson Savarino, and Diego Luna one would be insane. Gosh. Knowing the off the field drama from Savarino and those three seem like the kids who Daggernecks just... himself and <laughs> just like talking super loud during class always, and they're just like, "Come on, Mister Keller, you know you love us." Like stuff like that. <laughs> like they say stupid stuff like that, and uh, meanwhile the teacher's just like, "I don't get paid enough to like care." Like in lunch. In like detention like the whole day and <laughs> they're friends with like the the person who's like running detention <laughs> oh man weird night yeah this is, i don't even know how long we've been here but it's definitely dark now it's kind of depressing doing this in uh in the fall now because we're now we're yeah we're starting in the daytime and we're ending ending at night yeah solid podcast solid week i'm excited for this decision day football we're about to see pretty soon i'm kind of not i don't really want to watch a little nervous i'm a little nervous anything i'm I'm not gonna lie i was gonna say follow us on follow us on twitter um at mls netboys on the x formerly known as twitter app but we're having some difficulties on that apparently producer isaac made a made a twitter account for us and chase just messages us that the account has been like banned for breaching. <laughs> it's immediately immediately suspended. I think uh, Isaac just set it up and then just started tweeting out heinous things. <laughs> just breached every uh, community every- guideline right away. <laughs> you know what I just realized? We haven't done our match predictions. Let's do that, I guess. We we're about to wrap it up, and I was just looking. The matches we all predicted were for like two weeks from now. Well, that's okay, though, because next week's kind of a weird, not too many games to talk about, so it might be a shorter episode anyways. Um, But first up, game with huge implications. This will be games that are happening on uh, the 21st, Decision Day. Uh, Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota 
United. I'm going with a 2-2 draw. I don't think either of these teams are going to push ahead enough to uh, really make any difference in their playoff hunt. I think it's it's either going to be that, like we mentioned, or just a a wide-open game with people flying back and forth. I'm going 1-1 draw. I think... I think it'll be super even keel. Like I said, we're both biased. We're going to hope for this from a Timbers standpoint. <laughs> but, yeah. I could see it happening, though. Like, I could see both these teams being... It's going to be like a playoff game, essentially. Like, the stakes are so high. The defense is going to be so locked in. Guys are going to be putting in that extra effort to get back. I could see it ending in a draw because of that. Anyways, next game is going to be New York City... FC hosting Chicago. Another game with some playoff implications as well. What'd you go for here? 1-1 one, one draw, honestly. I, you know, I was kind of thinking New York City was going to do it, but that losing at DC United was a not a wake-up call, but it was kind of like a kick of reality, I feel like, to them. This roster is at good moments. They beat Orlando, but I think Chicago Chicago weirdly turns up for like the random games. I don't think they win, but I think it's a 1-1 draw. I think they get a point. That's fair. I feel like it's going to be a 3-1 NYC win. I just have a feeling they're I think they're going to find a spark and Chicago's not the hardest team to find it against. Um even when they have everything to play for, it seemed like they were really only bought in when they have fans in their stadium, and now they're playing away on the final game of the season. Um, I think Chicago might just roll over and let NYC just walk past them. It's a good shout. Last up, we got Vancouver hosting LAFC. I think we're both going an LAFC win here. I'm going LAFC 2-1. Jacob, you have them down for a 3-2 win. Buanga's heating up, which I mean, we've seen a lot of their games. It's not dependent on him, but a lot of games I watch with LAFC when they're losing even or not winning, it's they always get chances, it feels like. It just kind of depends if Buanga's kind of clinical enough or if they have somebody like that to finish those chances. So he's had five goals in the last week. So I think they get a result. I think Buanga scores more. I would agree. I would agree. That's why I'm going with LAFC winning as well. The only thing that I have reservations about is it's in Vancouver. The fort- You mean the, the worst fan base out of your top five? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But LAFC has to travel to Vancouver. Um, and I think Vancouver is going to be locked in. Um, you know, they've had a good season. I think they're ready to have a legit play like a playoff push where they don't get bounced in the first game so um seems like they're pretty bought in i could see them maybe putting up a pretty good fight here you know we call this one the maxime crepo classico yes or the tristan blackman blackman derby (laughs) that's that's a deep pull if i've ever heard one that's it from us though what episode are we on 30 it's 33 now. 33. I think this is, yep, number 33. Should we make this thumbnail? Keegan Hughes profile picture. This is the first mention we've had in him for two hours of recording. <laughs> Should we uh, 
I think we ought to just make Isaac like Photoshop every guy from like that list of who you like last longer in a fight with like your face like in the middle of them. Just have him have him call out just tomorrow from work just so we can spend all night doing that. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, as always, thank you all for listening. You can still find us on Twitter. We won't post for a little while <laughs> until we get that figured out. Leave us a review. As always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.